Hello. It's all good. Don't lean into the bed too much. You'll knock the coffee over. Well, I'm not used to having a coffee table on the table. (laughs) (laughs) It is episode 189 of the Energy is Love podcast, right? Isn't it? Yes. Last time was... 188. This is episode 189. And it's Tuesday, November 5th. Welcome to 1964. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody even know what day it is anymore? Nobody cares. It's the 16th. 16th today. The Great American. Yeah, today. But who knows what it's going to be when this episode comes out. It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Thank you for tuning in and listening, everyone. And if you are a brand new listener of the podcast, immediately stop what you're doing and go to YouTube and search out our YouTube channel and subscribe so that you can eventually at some point in the not too distant future, we will have some actual live video podcasts that we put up on that YouTube channel somewhere down the road. I'm probably still going to be in my pajamas when we record though. Yes. So that's what it is. (laughs) In the meantime, go to energyislovepodcast.com, sign up for our newsletter that doesn't exist and uh, stay tuned and enjoy (laughs) because we're going to have a wonderful episode that's coming up next with... The third and final daughter that we have. So on today's episode, what are we talking about? This is the weirdest fucking intro ever. It's kind of off. It, it is off. I'm throwing my mics off. So Does you're going to have to fix weird? it. sounds weird. Something's, I don't know if it's my placement, so we'll no, wiggle it out I think after. everything, I think it's just us. Oh, well, that's possible. Yeah, that's okay though. Say something real quick, Mad, for the intro. What should I say? That's that, good enough. Congratulations, you successfully <laughs> succeeded. And uh, stay tuned, folks, because here we go with another wonderful episode featuring the amazing and magnificent (laughs) Madeline. (laughs) Why was that a joke? It's not a joke. Your face made me laugh. But uh, here we go. You're listening to the Energy is Love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is the love podcast. The Energy is love podcast. Energy is love. The Energy is Love podcast. The podcast for the universe. The Energy is Love podcast. Everybody take a big collective yawn, sigh of relief, and a sip of coffee. I don't know. I didn't really have to yawn, but you like induced one. I was turning my head to the side. I induced I a yawn. I was over here. Yes. What if that was your superpower? To induce yawns? Yeah. Then what, you're lame. What if you like walked around and you're like, bam, yawn. Yawn. <laughs> <laughs> and then you walk away smiling. You're welcome. Well, oh my God. Part what of me the... hopes that you can like fart on command too, so that when you make somebody inhale for the yawn, you're like, yawn. <laughs> you're a dork. That's, that's, that's my <laughs> contribution for the day. That's your seven-year-old. That is. Like every once in a while. Uh, that's your seven-year-old boy coming out there. You know, it'd be really awesome. <laughs> that's, that's the best I got. If, if your superpower was inducing yawns, but before you yawned, you farted something. I, I, I feel like when you set us up for a yawn as a superpower, that whatever comes after that is just to be expected. Yeah. <laughs> good morning, Maddie. Good morning. How are you? I am good. Awkward? Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> it's just the Energy is Love podcast. I didn't expect the headphones to be so loud, and I, I, I just didn't know what the setup was going to be like because I've never done this before. Yeah, it is a little nerve-wracking at first for people. Yeah. But it's okay. You'll get used to it. Eventually, you'll realize we're just having a really unnatural conversation (laughs) in our bedroom. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. How do we want to start, even though we've already started? Why are you both looking at me? Anyone? I already started cracking some jokes this morning. I think I got us going. (laughs) You're cute. 
Uh, Maddie, the very first question I have for you, like we're going to go straight to it. Okay. Uh, as long as I can keep picking my nose. Apparently, you don't think that your dad's a feminist. And, um... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, that's really straight in. Um, I do think that you're a feminist. I just think that perhaps you perceive yourself as maybe more of a feminist than I perceive you as. Um, simply because I know you. Well, let's let's all take turns. Uh, Steph, we're going to start with you. I okay. want you to define feminist. Okay, first of all, you suck. Um, that's not, I can't define feminist. I think it's a state of mind and a state of being. It's not so much a script that you fill on paper. It's, I don't know. There's, I get confused on that because I'm very much for equality of women and they should be not objectified and it shouldn't, they shouldn't be starting off behind because you're a woman. However, it's not just woman power, I believe in people power. So then it kind of feels like I'm a bad feminist or because I, I feel like men should get just as much rights and it shouldn't be a catch up. Well, they've had it, they've had it better for longer. So now they need to grovel at the mercy of the women taking over the world. I, I kind of hate that. So, so I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I just know for me, I prefer it to be not a feminist, but a what can I say? Peopleist. I'm a peopleist. Peopleist. I'm a peopleist. That's a new word. I like it. That's that's it. Maddie, so, what would you add? I think I don't think that you're a bad feminist. I don't think there's any such thing as being a bad feminist. Oh, I, there's bad feminists. <laughs> I would define feminism as um, any person that acknowledges the fact that women are not given the same foothold in the world as men are. I think anyone that acknowledges that first off is on the right track because I think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people don't aren't willing to even acknowledge the existence of that gap and the need for it to be filled and that's frustrating. But I also think that a feminist is not only someone that acknowledges that gap but is also willing to do what they can in their day-to-day -day life to close it for themselves if they are a woman for the people that they know that are women if they're not. And I don't think that you have to be an activist to be a feminist. I don't think that you have to be, I don't think you have to read texts on feminism or go to rallies, even though those things are great. I don't, I don't do them often. So I can't say that you have to. I think it's just about um, knowing that as a participating member of the world that we live in, you have to be willing to help other people succeed to be a feminist. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think you're a bad feminist, Stephanie. I don't think that makes sense because I think that that's part of the bad rap that, the bad rep, bad rap, bad rep, doesn't matter. Um, rap, rap. That feminism, <laughs> no, <laughs> that feminism can get because I don't think there's anything, ab like I don't, feminism to me doesn't mean closing the gap and then taking what was rightfully ours from the start and becoming the superior power. I think that the end goal is equality among all people of any gender. So I think you're on the right track. I think it is perfectly stated. I like that. I'd like to see more of that. I feel like it's, from what I've witnessed, it's... So if that's your definition of Maddie, of a feminist, mm -hmm. then explain to me how and why your father does not fall in line. It, remind me... 
because you cited me as saying that you're not a feminist. Remind me of what we were talking about when I said that. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I think I remember. Go ahead. No, I don't remember. So um, I think we were talking about Fleabag, about oh, that TV show. Right. Yeah, you said I wasn't going to be feminist mm-hmm. enough to appreciate it. And I do think, I stand by that. I think that is true. Because I think that, I don't think that like Fleabag is television for women and only women can watch it. <laughs> sure sounds like But it. I think there are parts of it that you would not, I don't know, I think there are parts of it that address issues that maybe you would not, that you don't see, that you don't have to see, and so you wouldn't get the comedy of them, and you wouldn't understand the importance of them, just because you've never had to be affected by them, which isn't your fault. You know, there's nothing wrong with having been a man since the day you were born, but it just makes some TV less enjoyable, I guess. I'm so excited. I know. You threw your toothpick down and everything. I'm so excited because there's so much that we just suddenly get to talk about right Inter- off the bat. Inter-tangent. <laughs> Inter- that's like entertainment. Yeah. But instead, you're just watching a bunch of tangents. I think it's... The- it's intertangent time. <laughs> <laughs> that's really what your guys' podcast is. <laughs> intertangent. Uh, we like to make up new words, so we within let's see, we're less than ten minutes in, and we already have peopleist mm-hmm. and entertainment. Uh, so, Maddie, yes, explain to me what are some of these things that I like, not necessarily from Fleabag. First off, Fleabag uh, Emmy Award winning series on Amazon Prime. Go watch it. Apparently, you have to be a feminist <laughs> to enjoy it. Um, if you have a penis, you're not going to. No, because men, men, people with penises are feminists. You just you don't have to be a feminist to enjoy it. You just have to make sure that you're rooting for the right characters, I guess. Oh, so I have to be on the right team. So It's not a trap. <laughs> no, I want to... Because Steph and I get into these kind of conversations, not all the time, but on kind a of. somewhat regular basis. And one of the biggest things that we try to do, Miha, is we try to separate from the mindset of male or female, man or woman, and look at it from a perspective of just simply a person Mm -hmm. and from people, right? And there's so many topics, there's so many spaces, there's so many levels of not just discussion out in 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 the world and society and things like that, but like it's so easy to look at perspectives from that binary black and white. And I don't, that's not what I'm doing. I know. So far. That's not what I'm saying. Because you don't have to be... You have to be a feminist to like Fleabag. That doesn't mean you have to be a woman. No, no. I don't think you have to be a feminist to like Fleabag either. Uh, maybe you do. Maybe I amend when I said that you didn't. I think perhaps you actually do. <laughs> but uh, in my head, what I'm spinning with right now, thank you for the coffee, sweetheart. Thank you. Um, there's certain situations that I think women think that a man can't truly appreciate or grasp, or understand simply because he's a man. Now, that's absolutely true. That's 100% true, right? Um, But that doesn't mean I can't have compassion for that experience or for that situation. That doesn't mean that I can't have some level of understanding of it. And the same goes for the flip, right? For men. Men have experiences that women can't even begin to grasp and understand. Uh, So separate that rather than men and women, just as experiences that people go through that we 
all have to have more compassion and understanding for and be able to see it from their perspective. So give me one that's from Fleabag, perhaps, or even just the first one that comes to your Mm. mind that might be stereotypically an experience that women go through that men seem to gloss over or be aren't aware of? Well, um, something that I like about Fleabag, because I think that a lot of media that is created to for feminists, and I know that you, that that isn't a perfect way of describing it, but a lot of media that has been created as the tide is sort of changing and now we are seeing women more accurately represented rather than as like fixtures in society that support the man that they sit next to if if you know what i'm saying um i think a lot of media that is like that not has gone too far but it does something that i don't appreciate which is i think it kind of it makes women seem like something that they're not because that is associated with power. And so in a lot of that sort of content, like women don't cry, you know, like it's, it's like women are powerful, remember? So they don't cry. I know you think that they cry and I know you think that they yell at each other and all they do is gossip, but they don't do those things. In fact, they are stone faced and they don't care and they don't feel joy because it's a more powerful thing to do. And I don't like that. It makes me mad. And so something that I I think I like I like about Fleabag as an example so much is because um, the character Fleabag, she's a woman. She's the, the lead character. Is that her actual name? They never give her a name. Yeah. Her name is Fleabag. They don't give her a name? No. I, I can't think of her name. So oh yeah. My goodness. Yeah, they don't. That's yeah. kind of the point. None of the characters, well, a couple of the characters have name. Like her name is Fleabag. Her dad's name is Dad. Her godmother's name is Godmother. And her sister's name is Claire. That's like part of the comedy of it. Yeah. And the the there's a man in the second season named the Hot Priest. priest. Yeah, yeah Hot named priest. the Priest. And but then there is like like her friend's name is Boo, and that's her actual name. So mm-hmm. it goes back and forth. But um, what was I saying before that? The character Fleabag. Oh right, she is so emotional. She's such an emotional being, and she cries so much, and she gets so mad, and she makes stupid choices. And she, like, she allows herself to be a woman in her most natural form. And I think that that can be perceived as weakness, um, but it's, it's just her human, it's just her human flaws. And that's what I like so much about it. Um, but when I, when I said that you might not enjoy it, it wasn't because I don't think you're a feminist. It is mainly because I don't... There are jokes in it that I think you could appreciate because you understand that, like, women have periods and women have boobs, but I just don't <laughs> think that you would be like, oh, yes, I'm finally being represented. You know what I mean? Be- and it's not finally. Like, there's 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 tons of periods and boobs jokes, and that isn't what the show is full of. But it just, it feels like it's not your bar of comedy. For sure. Because it's just not comedy that you can relate to so much. Like, that's what makes comedy is relatability. And I just don't know that you could relate to it as much. Yeah. If that answered your question, which I don't know if it did. What was the question? You told me to think of an example where I felt like 
men wouldn't understand what women were going through as represented on television or in a movie or something like that. Periods. Yeah. Men won't understand periods. No, because that sounds so... <laughs> uh, that's not what I'm saying. Hey, kiddo. I love playing the devil's advocate mm -hmm. on the podcast mm -hmm. and fighting and arguing on the podcast. Stephanie, I'm sure you also love that. I'm I sure love it's it. your favorite. <laughs> I love it. So please don't uh, take offense. Mm -hmm. um, no, I know you. This is just what conversations are like with you. He'll trick it's me. not for the podcast. <laughs> There's times I'm thinking, who the hell is this person sitting across from me? Because mm -hmm. it is so, and then I'm like, oh. You're doing that thing, and then mm -hmm. I'll start laughing. Like I'm over here getting really upset. So yeah. Think of an experience in your life, kiddo, that is something that maybe, mm. um, that you think is unique to the plight of women or a female. Okay, I can speak from a like a super personal place if you want me to. Something that I have found is unique to my plight as a female. Is, um, I have a, I have for my whole life, I have a, had a really hard time, um, coming to terms with my natural masculinity. And so I think that that side of the coin is unique to women, but the inverse, the exact inverse is also like a super present issue in the life of any man, because I think a lot of men are made to feel uncomfortable with their natural femininity. I, you can't see my air quotes in the podcast, but femininity and women are made to feel uncomfortable with their naturally present masculinity because for some reason, you're just not supposed to have both. It went, that doesn't make any sense. No one has one or the other. You know, everyone is a combination of all traits, whether or not they have been assigned a gender at some point. And so I think that as a woman, I have felt uncomfortable and insecure about things that, about me that people would associate with masculinity. Can, and we, you, can we, you name one? Um, not even just my look. I look a lot like you. I look a lot like my dad. And uh, Drop dead gorgeous. Yeah, sure. Um, Dev and, devilishly <laughs> handsome. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem is that... Um, my dad, you know, he looks like a man. He's a he's a he's a boy. He's a boy guy, and I look a lot like you. And so, and people tell me that a lot of my life, and I don't hear when people tell me you look exactly like your father. I don't hear them saying, "And he's handsome, and he's strong, and he has this great hair, and he has beautiful eyes." I hear them saying, "You look like a boy." <laughs> like you, and I, I've had people tell me. I look like a wrestler, like I look like a female wrestler. And I always say to them, oh, my dad actually used to be a wrestler. That's so funny. <laughs> but then inside of my heart, I say to myself, told you so, you know, so I think that that is something um, that I am regularly frustrated by as a, especially as a teenage girl, because when you're a teenage girl, it matters so much more. And I, I can see that. I can feel that. But unfortunately, it still matters that much, even though I know that it matters that much in part because of my age. And so I will not be comfortable in my own skin for, I don't know, a long time more and maybe never. But I, it still feels that much more. So I am regularly frustrated by that as my plight as a woman. Steph, can you think of anything that is typically associated with the masculine side of a person that you have felt shitty about that you have? 
Yeah, like I'm the exact opposite of Maddie's description. Because the way I grew up was you needed, like men were the uh, the goal. That's who you had to impress. That's you had to have that work ethic. You had to be hard. You had to be strong. Everything that um, my family did was very physical. So like <laughs> it was like even the emotions were don't show don't show the emotions, don't cry, don't let them know, be strong, keep going. So I would struggle with the fact that I wasn't masculine enough. Like all the, even the girls that were the, the tomboys were the, that's what you needed to be. And that's where, I don't know, that's where, that's where it seemed like the love went. And I'm much more feminine than that, but I tried so hard to hide all of that because that made me weak being a woman, being feminine made you weak. You had to be strong. You had to empower that masculine energy. And I just, it is not my strong suit, but God, I tried. <laughs> so, to embody the, the feminine? The masculine. The masculine. The masculine. Because then I was also my own protector. But so that's just, that's so strange to, it's neat to kind of see that opposite, but but it's um, so it's so unfair, right? Because it's like I I feel like you are expected to have a combination of both that is nearly unattainable. Yeah. You have to have like the power and the sternness and the literal physical ability to bench and <laughs> like the endurance and like you have to have those qualities of a man, mm -hmm. of what people associate with masculinity, packaged within your microscopic, nearly invisible feminine body. You know what I mean? That is probably the best way I've ever heard it described. And that is impossible. It is. You can't be. You you can be. And, you know, but it's like, <laughs> it, it's not fair. Human beings aren't like that. You know, you... you, you you can't have a perfect combination of the traits of all people. And I don't know that men get an exact inverse of that in the sense that they have to have, and it's, it's a bad thing, but I think that men's masculinity doesn't always have to be so nuanced to include the softness of what people perceive as femininity. And so even though I don't, I think it should, I think that it doesn't. And that type of masculinity isn't always called like greatness. And so it is not, it doesn't seem so impossible to embody, if you understand what I'm saying. I understand what you're saying. I don't, I don't agree completely with that. I think they do have the complete inverse as to where they must be masculine. They must be the powerful. They mm -hmm. must be the protector. And... They must be caring and nurturing and understanding, but not too much. Mm -hmm. Because if it's too much, then they lose all credibility as a man. Right. So I think that they do also dance that fine line. But I think, I, th I don't know, because I'm I'm a woman, so I could be completely ignorant on this. God, I, I wish think we where had it's a man easy, here that we could talk to. We're going to. I think where it's easier for a man is because if they completely throw themselves into a their masculinity 100% it seems like they're rewarded for that as to where if a woman throws herself into either of her traits it's at a a fault yeah see that's what i'm i i think we're we're kind of saying the same yeah. things differently yeah where complete masculinity is like 
whoa, powerhouse over here, like, yeah. like what would real that beefcake. Be? What would that look like? What is complete masculinity? Uh, what well, is a man It's embracing? not a real thing, I don't think, but it is, um, there's an idea of it that people expect at least an attempt to be made to meet. I see that. I know you're yeah. saying. And so I guess. It's like com- the alpha male, the mm-hmm. stereotypical yeah. alpha male traits. Right. Okay. I feel like you're getting ready to throw no, it down. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> no, you definitely are. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're folding your arms and you sit back. <laughs> it's not like we uh, We know your signs. Like it's so hard because I'm, I'm tired of these conversations, but I'm not. At the same time, I'm tired of the separation of this is a masculine trait and this is a feminine trait and men have feminine traits and women have masculine traits and the goal is to balance each of those within a person. Uh, yes, hundred percent. That's the goal, right? We all have these things. I am both masculine and feminine. You have an incredibly feminine father. You have a father that is incredibly in touch with those feminine traits and Steph, you didn't tease me. It wasn't like you weren't poking fun at me or something like that. You could have been, uh, when we were watching Les Mis the other night, Steph was like, I don't know another man that oh, likes musical I wasn't poking fun of theater you. as much as you do. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I totally know. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm you starting... got me into musicals. Greece <laughs> was my limit when I met you. I was trying to think in my head if I knew another man. Like um, I was about to say a real man, and that sounds terrible. Yes. But I mean, I know other men that like musicals, and I know like, you know, there's people that like musicals and things like that. But yeah, your dad's kind of a big fan of yeah. The musical. Uh, but that's silly to think that that's a feminine trait. I think that's just a person trait, but it's stereotypically associated mm-hmm. with women. Um, where am I going? You were talking about balance. Yeah. I mean, that's the goal. That's the trick is being able to balance both sides of those and recognize both sides of those, right? I disagree. Okay. Keep going. I'm just going to say I disagree. How can you disagree with that? Well, That's I want to, I, I don't, sorry. Yeah, can I say really quickly, go. just before we, we move away from this topic, um, I feel like you are, you are a feminist. Sure. Jess, <laughs> sure. But in addition to that, I think you are more in touch with the emotional side of who you are than a lot of men are. And I don't know where that came from, but I do, I, I agree with you. And I think it's been like that for a long time. And, um, I feel bad because when I know when my older sister Gwen and I, when we were little, um, we thought you were a real baby. <laughs> and I remember when we watched the series finale of The Office and you cried so hard yeah. on Grandma Mary's couch. Gwen and I were like, Jesus Christ, who is this guy? Like, why why are you crying? And now I feel terrible that we ever re- like responded Did like that. Did you cry that. shamed me? Yes, because... We wouldn't have cry shamed mom and I, we wouldn't have cry shamed each other, you know? And so I apologize that we did that to you because now I love, I love when I look over at you during movies and you're crying because I'm almost always also crying. And I think that I get, I got that more from you than I did from my mother, even though people would, would typically assume that my like emotional ability to cry at all movies, whether or not I even liked them, um, came from... My mom, it didn't. Uh, that was you. You know what I mean? So just sorry we used to tease you for that because <laughs> I think it's great and I think it's important. I wish more people were like that. Um, but anyway, what were you saying, Stephanie? 
I think that goes to a really, because um, it's not like I taught you to cry shaming. Right. And it's not like <laughs> your mom taught you, taught you to cry shaming, no. right? So that had to have been picked up in some way, shape, or form through society. Yes. That had to have been picked up in some way, shape, or form just from, you know, absorbing it from... Just from being in the world. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That men crying and weeping and sobbing yeah. is somehow something that needs to be like shamed yeah. away and drawn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And now I know the series finale of The Office is so, so sad. sad. <laughs> so sad. Of course you were crying. Of course. It's so sad. Yeah. So I, I don't know. We, we just absorbed it through the world. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it sucks. Yeah. There's so many things like that. There's so many things that little girls pick up and you know, and so had you never gotten to the point in your life where you recognized the beauty of that mm -hmm. in your father or in a man, right? Mm -hmm. And realized that that's a hundred percent okay. Then you grow up and take that into your relationships with men or with anybody and realize, do you know what I mean? That's how that cycle is continually perpetuated. So I'm glad that you see and not only witness and realize and recognize, but it's also just amazing that that wasn't something that was like taught or displayed or shown in the home that you were raised in, right. but you still picked up on it. And there's so many things like that. And that right. sucks. Like that's super shitty. Yeah. But baby, you said you disagreed with the goal is balanced in those two spaces. Yes. Do you, but I, I think you kind of need a refresh on it. Do you want to talk about why you think the goal is balanced between those two spaces? So I can then disagree with it in some <laughs> sort of context. <laughs> well, for me, it's not just a balance of, First off, I hate the word. I, I hate the word balance. It's word really balance. hard for me to say. I feel like I have my speech impediment from when I was like a child when I try to say the word balance. Did you know that your dad took speech for like the first? How old are you until fourth grade? Um, fourth grade, probably nine, like eight or nine. Eight yeah, or nine years. Well, I didn't take it for the first eight or nine years of my life. But, but until you were in fourth grade? Yeah. From I did like know that. First grade. I'm, actually, kindergarten. All of us, not all of us, but a lot of us in our family were in speech classes. I used to take speech classes. Um, you remember that? Yes. So, yeah. Was balance one of the words you couldn't say? It was not. R's and W's were my... R's and W's were also mine. Were my issue. I also had, what is it? G and, and D and... I feel like I had all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Did you take speech, babe? No. Perfect. No. Just glorious smart woman over there. What um, can I say? I still don't know how to speak. Maybe I should have. <laughs> that might have been a useful situation. It's not just the balance between masculine and femi feminine that we're trying, that I think is the goal. I think it's just balance across the board, across the spectrum in life in general, right? Yeah. But we're talking about the space of masculine and feminine traits. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if I was like, if I was fully alpha male all the time, you guys wouldn't like that. It would drive you nuts. Nobody wants to live with that guy. That guy's a dick, right? I don't know if we would live with you. <laughs> but if I was like constantly crying at the office and couldn't get my shit together and sobbing hysterically at like, oh my God, we just finished the apple pie that Maddie made for the first time and it was so delicious and it was such a good bit. Like nobody wants to live with that person either, right? It's the right. bounce between all things. I, I want to say I'd be okay with it, but... <sighs> yeah, it would be annoying. And I know people like that. And it is annoying. It is annoying. Because I, um, I know a lot of artists, and it is a stereotype of artists to be in touch with their emotional side and not their, like, powerhouse, get it done sort of side. 
and stereotypes are based in truth (laughs) because I know a lot of artists and it definitely slows production when people have to take a break to cry a lot. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Baby, tell me why there you disagree. I'll, I'll try and keep myself focused with this. Um, I disagree because, well, for one, we don't like balance. I don't think that humans are cookie cutter. I don't think we're supposed to be 50-50, masculine and feminine. I think that maybe some people are, but I think it's just a fluctuation. And I don't think it's a constant from birth to death that this is your your 70% masculine, 30% feminine. I think it fluctuates through your time of wherever you're at. And I think where you try and get off centered with that is when you try to bring balance to it, or you try to throw everything because you're supposed to be this way. So I think the balance for sake of this conversation would be to allowing each individual to be whatever ratio they are of masculine feminine at any time and like that's okay because that's it's just what it is like it's not a thought it's just that's everybody gets to be them i totally agree and i think the fluctuation throughout time and space is important right where there's times Mm -hmm. where i mean obviously there's times where i've had to be alpha male more yes consistently on a regular basis as opposed to tapped into my emotions and my feelings um for whatever reason, this popped into my head as you were talking about this. Um, I wish I may have to Google so that I get his name right. But he's a um, he's a commentator on like figure skating. But he was one of the people that was interviewed in the Schitt's Creek um, special finale thing that we watched. And okay. I think his last name is Weir or something like that. Okay. Chris, I don't think his name's Chris Weir, but he's that incredibly flamboyant gay man. The one that had like a mullet in those, in, that had like, I think I know who you're talking about. You definitely know who because he looks like he's... He looks like um like from the Hunger Games, like he yes, lives in the Capitol. Very much That's so. That's what I thought, yeah. He very much looks like he's in the Capitol, in the, like he is 100% that all the time. Mm-hmm. Johnny Weir. I bet you that's his name. Okay, Google. I'll look it up, Dad. Well, somebody needs to show me a picture because all I can think of is Joe Exotic. Johnny Weir. <laughs> I don't know why. It wasn't <laughs> him. According to Wikipedia, this is totally him. Can I see? Oh. Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, I remember him. That's a great description, Matt. He's totally from the Capitol. Oh, sorry. I Anyways, to see how far this lie. guy, you look at that man, mm-hmm. right? And... Nobody's going to debate that he is 100%, not 100%, but that he is more feminine in nature than he is masculine, right? So he's embracing more of the things that we would stereotypically air quote label feminine traits. Yeah. Um, So I thought about him as you were talking and I was sitting there thinking, I'm like, in my mind, he needs to bounce some of his masculine energy more. He needs to bring in some more masculine traits and more masculine energy because he's too heavy over there on the feminine side, right? But maybe that's the time and place that he's at. Also, maybe I'm up in the night because we don't really know this person. He's just a character, essentially, right, that yeah. we see portrayed in media and however he wants to be portrayed in media. So I could be assuming things, but we're just going to assume that I'm right and well, that always. he's... <laughs> No, what I mean is that my my argument, my thought is that is it necessary, like if somebody is so far over into one side or the other, do you not think it's beneficial for them to try to bring some balance back into the other space? 
or do you think that it's okay to to lean so far over even if it's maybe it's only for a time period right maybe it's for five years maybe it's for 10 years maybe it's you know his 20s or his 30s or his 40s however old he is i think if he's like faking and pushing it trying to fit a role then being more true to yourself obviously would be more beneficial but if that's where he's at, no, I don't think he needs to change it. If that's honestly him and where he's at and that's what's serving him, no. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like you need I, to, I you, you, you really need to man up there. Mm-hmm. I don't see that. I think as long as where he's at, like you said, isn't hurting himself. Mm-hmm. And as long as he um, doesn't perceive anyone that is elsewhere as doing the yes. wrong thing, um, I think it's fine. Here we go. I'm fighting. I'm getting All my... Right. So I agree to some extent, okay? But I also think that there's this thing that happens and takes place where people embrace so much of something and they think that it's okay, right? Like he's probably, he's he's, he's definitely a gay man, right? Is that his first crime? Um, <laughs> <laughs> baby, it's 2020, being gay isn't a crime anymore. I, I, I agree Except with that. for in some parts of the South. Um, <laughs> we went on this whole tangent back in the day about the South because of Tom Segura oh. and yeah, but the Southern people, cause we watched Joe Exotic and it takes place in two the South. People, I'm sure that know a lot about life in the South. <laughs> yes, right? we do. We've okay. spent a lot of time there. We're um, experts. Where, what am I saying? I don't know. You were, you were agreeing to some extent. I think sometimes you can't see what you can't see because you're so deep into where you're at. So I, I think sometimes, I think Johnny Weir would benefit from some masculine energy in his life and embracing it and bringing some balance rather than um, to the extreme that he's living right now. And maybe he's not. Well, he has it. He is chock full of masculine energy. It looks different for him. You know what I mean? Because he... And I, I think I don't need to say again, like, this is just as far as people have labeled all traits as feminine or masculine. I think we've covered that base. Correct. We, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's been made aware. Um, I think he has it. And I think, like you said, he's a, he's a character. He's a, he's a, first of all, he's a professional figure skater. So that is skates Super gay. he needs to fill or <laughs> as far as he's concerned. And as far as everyone's concerned, that's a character he needs to play. Correct. He is an out gay man and he's an advocate for gay rights, which means that is a role he needs to fill. He's a television personality. So he's known as like a, like he's loud and he's funny and he, he has crazy stuff to say and he dresses like that, Jesus, like that <laughs> is his look. You know what I mean? And I think that. So we are not seeing the full story for Johnny Ware, wherever he is right now. Um, We love you, Johnny. You are just seeing that part of him. But also, I think that uh, who's to say whether or not he is perfectly tapped into typically masculine parts of his personality um, because they look they would look different on him because he's a different person. So the fact that like occasionally he doesn't put on basketball shorts and yell at his husband like that doesn't mean that he's not tapped into his masculinity it would look different for him you know what i mean i have basketball shorts on right now (laughs) (laughs) she she threw in there though yelling at his husband so i I don't think she was i need to get one so that i can yell at him (laughs) i say he doesn't get a wife occasionally to be a man (laughs) can i have can i have some choice in your pick (laughs) (laughs) it's not gonna be johnny (laughs) Weir. Okay, Matt, we're going to transition topics. All right, I'm ready. Um, what is something that you don't know about us that maybe you want to know? 
or a question perhaps that you have, and then inversely, inversely, what is something that you think we don't know about you that you would like to share? Okay. Um, and you can no pick which, which way you go first. I think this can be a question for both of you. Um, because I am your guys's child. I am your daughter. So I have a, a, maybe not a childlike question to ask, but a question that I'm definitely curious about because I am your kid. What is your least favorite thing about being a parent? Hmm. And you're not allowed to tell me like, oh, but there's a beautiful part, like this beautiful side to it. I love, you know, just across the board. What is something about being a parent that you didn't expect that, or maybe you did expect it and you were like, I'm going to have to live with it. And then you were right. And it sucks. Great question. Do you want to go first, babe, or would you like me to? I'll go first. Let's hear it. Um, how little control you have over making life's happy. Like there's zero power to fix problems. Like you're supposed to be able to fix everything and there's zero power to fix so many problems. You're just like helpless and watching their pain, your pain, all of your guys' pain and you can't do anything about it. Like that sucks. That is the worst thing. Yeah, we had a whole episode where we talked about uh, Steph and I have a lot of like little phrases or little catchphrases and terminology and things like that that we use with each other. And as we communicate and connect, and some of them are really sweet and loving and kind of about our love story together. And then some of them are like just about life and things like that, just little catchphrases between the two of us. And one of them that came from the podcast and talking about it on the podcast and sharing it with each other is like, it's not your story, you know? Your, yeah. your movie, Maddie, that you're living right now, it's your movie. Mm-hmm. You write it, you direct it, you produce it, you shoot it, you film it, you uh, advertise it. You do everything about everything about your movie. And then periodically you write us in and you say, you guys have a cameo next week. <laughs> right. um, this is where I'm going to need you to show up. Mm-hmm. This is the scene that you're going to be in. And here's your lines. <laughs> and if we try to ad lib or if we try to like rewrite the scene and we're like, mm, we don't really like the way this one's shot. You're like, uh, then you don't get to be in the fucking movie. Yeah. You write us out. We're done now. <laughs> I'm the director of this shit. You need to pay attention. Yeah. And, um, it sucks. It's horrible as a parent to realize that it's not your movie. And there comes a certain point, and I don't think we realized that. I didn't realize that when you were born. You know? Yeah, because when you're a baby, you are an actor in someone else's movie, I guess, until you like gain free will and sentience. Yeah, you're totally. Not that babies aren't sentient beings, but <laughs> <laughs> you don't. I, I mean, we didn't realize it from yeah, an early, I hate it. early standpoint. It's not until you get to a certain stage where it's like, oh. I, I don't get to say anything about any of this. I don't get to control any of this anymore. That's a piggyback answer, though, Dad. Oh, I'm not done. So, I'm just... what is, yeah, what's your thing? <laughs> you agree a... that that sucks, right? <laughs> what's your thing? I apologize. I at uh, least want to get two things out of this. I apologize, Miss Madeline, that I went off script there. I did not mean to. Please do not write me out of this season. Um, I have a huge list of things that suck about being a parent. Uh, cause it sucks. It's way harder than I thought it was going to be. It is. Yes. Of course the caveat is it's beautiful, wonderful, amazing and all that kind of but shit. But I already know all that stuff. Yeah. And it, it's true. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's miserable. 
it's miserable for big swaths of time. Mm -hmm. Uh, When the kids are little, it's miserable. It's hard. It's challenging. Um, It's all encompassing if you do it right. You know, if Mm -hmm. you half-ass it, then it's not that big of a deal. And it's not all that encompassing because you're half-assing it and you don't really care. But um, it's so hard. It's so hard to... (sighs) What did I not realize? This happened... Fuck, I don't know when this happened. It was semi-recently, within the last year or so. Last year, like 2019, was like incredibly hard for us. And maybe it came through in that space or time. But um, you, I shouldn't speak from that perspective. I love my children deeper than I ever thought possible. And the flip side of that depth of love that exists within me is a depth of pain and suffering and sadness and hurt that is the yin and yang of it. And I didn't realize that. And nobody really, well, nobody tells you anything about being a parent or having kids, but to have the depth of love that exists and to be able to feel it and bask in it and enjoy it and just be amazed by it, it is countered by a depth of pain. You, not you specifically, yeah, you're fine. the four of you have hurt me more than I ever have been hurt by anyone else. And it's not on purpose, obviously. It's not because you guys are mean even though you're mean sometimes, but like, it just comes with that level of love and oh my God, me, it just kills you. It just kills you. It makes so much sense to me why some parents, um, quit. It makes so much sense to me why some parents give up and why they disconnect and why they half-ass it because it hurts beyond anything that I could have ever imagined. So yeah, I didn't realize that. Does that answer your good question? Yeah, those are both very good answers. <laughs> okay, give us something about you now, okay? You guys have to ask me a specific question because I can't just go through like I a, did. Like, what is something that we don't know about? I don't you? know what you guys don't know about me. Oh, there's lots, I bet. I'm sure there's lots, but there like there's nothing that is like like I don't know if there are any big aspects of who I am that you guys aren't aware of. Do you have any specific questions? Anything about me? That you're curious about? At this point in your life, as you're about to embark on the next phase of your life, Mm -hmm. what is something that, like up until this point in your life, right? What is, what has been the hardest thing or one of the hardest things? You don't have to quantify it and pick the, you know, pluck the hardest thing out. But what is the hardest thing that you've had to go through and experience that you didn't like, you know, that's a terrible question. I'm trying to get to like, you know what? This is easier. Okay. What is the, you feel like up to this point, what is the, one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in your life? Oh my God. That is such a hard question. 
um because there's no specificity it could be anything i'm i'm Um, talking like big life lesson i know something that you're going to be like you know this was a lesson that was taught to me over the course of 10 years of hard knocks and now i'm going to carry it on in the next 30 years of my life what's one of the biggest lessons that you've learned in life so far Mm, um I have, and I don't know, part of being the age that I am, part of being 17 for me is that I don't trust myself on anything. Like any statement that comes out of my mouth is subject to change by the time I'm done speaking it because I don't, I can't trust myself to come to the right conclusions and I can't trust my experiences because they are so few, um, so I don't know, like anything that I feel, I don't know if it's real. Like, I don't know if it is legitimate in the grand scheme of time. So like right now in 17 years, what's been good, what's been bad, what's been hard, what's been easy, who I've loved and who's made me upset, all of that. I know that like five years from now is going to be insignificant. So to assign it significance right now is a really difficult thing for me to do. Um, and so to say like what the biggest lesson that I've learned so far, it's so hard because I don't, I don't trust my own judgment about the things that I've gone through because I know they're like, I perceive their insignificance. So, um, I guess, um, one of the one of the bigger changes in my recent years of life has been going to a new school, which you guys know. Um, and that was during a really transitional period in all of our lives where Gwen moved out and um, I was like going into my later years of high school. I was getting closer to college and it was a lot like there was just a lot going on with a lot of us. A lot was changing. And, um, during that time I went through, um, like a, a a brief struggle. It it wasn't brief. It was like a year and a half long. Um, my first year at the school that I go to now, I totally lost my identity as a person with qualities. Like I didn't know, I didn't know anything about myself because everything that I had known about myself, I was forced to realize was a product of what other people assigned me. So at Grant in, in Grantsville, at the schools I'd gone to in Grantsville, I was really nice. I was shockingly not Mormon, which was a big, which was big and funny for a lot of people because they were like, but you're so quiet and you're so like well-contained. How could you not be Mormon? And it was, it was really frustrating for me. And like, I knew I was, I was really smart when I was at Grantsville. Like I, the things that I knew about myself were because other people had told me they were true. And when I got to my new school and no one knew me, no one knew anything uh, that had been told to me. And so I realized that I couldn't make them know those things. Like I suddenly was like dropped in among all of these people with personalities that related to each other. And I had no idea what was true about me. And it was super bizarre because like I would open my mouth and be like, oh my God, what do you even say? Like, what do, what am I? I just had no idea. And it's a super high school thing to be like, 
who am I? But it was, I didn't realize that it was that, that it was that extreme. And it became even clearer to me when I, um, would go back and spend time with my friends from Grantsville High School and it stuck. And that sucked because when I got back with them, I was like, oh, it'll be easy again. And I'll just fall back into the person that I was when I was with them relating to their friend group and that will be fine. And when I got back to hanging out with them, I was like, I st- oh no, it's that means the change was in me and not my environment. And so I think from that experience, from eventually like finding my footing at my new school as as I was obviously going to eventually and making friends and becoming more of a a person again um I think I I the lesson that I learned from that was that in order to I guess it is it's too general to say just to go through life but in order to like make my way as an adult I need to nail down the things about myself that I like and that are true or I am not going to be able, like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to be able to, like, to, to, to live on my own, to, like, work on my, I'm not going to be able to do this if I don't have a me defined enough that I know is true and I need to separate myself more from what other people perceive about me and what other people tell me is true or I'm going to that's going to keep happening so when I go to college fingers crossed this fall God knows now but when I go to college later this year I need to have those things I need to know what I am bringing with me so I don't have to spend so much time floundering and redefining myself again because it was a really hard and it took a lot out of me. Um, so I think that that was a big, I guess it was a big lesson. That, it was a big lesson that I had to learn. Um, but I don't know. I didn't learn in the meantime exactly what those traits are. Um, I just learned that I better figure it out, <laughs> I guess. That plays right into my question. That was such a long answer. I'm that was sorry. such a good answer. But I think you kind of already said that you don't know it. So I'm hoping that the way I asked the question, this is the question that I had okay. like from the beginning, will help you answer that. Okay. Because mine was, where are you the most happy? Where you feel like the most you, or you don't feel like you're trying to fit a role for anybody, mm-hmm. where you are the most authentically you, and the most joy comes out? Um, I think... And this, it sounds like I am counteracting exactly what I've just said, but I I don't think I am. Um, Lately, I have been my happiest around the people that make me feel the most myself. And not only make me feel the most myself, but make me feel like it's okay not to have a perfect definition of who I think I am around them. And I can speak freely and I can emote and have opinions and it will be fine after like, and I, I came to, I developed this term with a close friend that I had where we would talk about this sort of thing a lot, um, about people being that are on your team, people that 
are your teammate. And so when you suck and when you are mad and you're mean and you feel like you're not funny and you're not valuable and you're you're just having a, a weird day or a weird week or a weird year and a half of your life at a new school, they are still going to be on your team after and they're just going to take it as it comes and be like, when it when it's over, they'll be like, you're right, it did suck. You were weird and it sucked, but it's cool. Um, so I think I am my happiest around those sort of people um, because it makes me feel the most like myself. And I noticed it a lot. I had this really, really weird experience. I think I told you guys about it. Um, this last New Year's, um, like New Year's Eve to New Year's Day. I don't know if I told you guys about it. It doesn't matter if I didn't, but... Um, I don't think the Barb, Barb is our number one listener on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I don't think she knows about it. Well, I... Um, and it's going to be a long answer, so I feel bad. Um, but on New Year's Eve, I had a sucky time. I was really lonely and I was really sad. And um, because I have a lot of the friends that I made at my new school were not right for me. A lot of them. And it was really important for that to happen, for me to learn that, because the ones that were really are. And so I think I have a better idea of the type of people that I want to surround myself with for the rest of my life, which is good. And that is what you learn in high school is like who, who works with you and who doesn't. Um, but it caused me a lot of pain over the course of the years that I was trying to figure out who worked with me. And, um, on New Year's Eve, I had been for a couple months, like really, really sad, really bad and really hating myself really intensely because I, when I hate myself, it's, it's, it's like hardcore. Like I have the power to really intensely hate myself. And it was so like profound a moment that I have to laugh at myself. And I laughed at myself in the moment um, where I was so mad at myself on New Year's Eve. And then I went and like, I sat down and looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, like you idiot, you know, like you idiot, you you stupid idiot, what are you doing? And then I like felt a different portion of my brain, like eat that other part for a second and be like, be nice. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? (laughs) Stop it and be nice. And I like looked into my own eyes in the mirror And I was like so sorry for the months that I had been spending being like, being so mean and being so mentally and emotionally and physically hurtful to myself for months. And I like apologized to myself and I started sobbing instantly, like sobbing because I, as I was saying it, I fully realized how long it had been since I said or thought a single nice thing about myself. Um, And that is kind of unrelated, but that was the experience that I was coming off of the next day when we went to Grandma Mary's house with the whole family. And the next day when we were there, I was in like a crazy mood (laughs) because I had been... um, I just, it felt like I had gone through something crazy all by myself of like realizing how much power I had in my own brain. And while we were at Grandma Mary's, I had so much fun. I had, I felt so good because everyone that was there and it was my family. So obviously, but not obviously, some people in my family are not on my team and everyone there was on my team. 
And so I was like, I was lighting him up. I felt so good and I felt so comfortable and I felt so confident and I felt like I could talk about politics with adults and I had jokes that would land with people that had lived twice my lifespan. And I, 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 like all teenagers, that's not always the case. And I always feel stupid around adults. And so I felt, I just felt really comfortable. And since then I have felt that level of comfort among people my own age too. And before then I had also, but like, I, 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 I am learning to see the difference now around people that I am comfortable with and people that I am not. Um, and so I think that's where I'm my happiest is around people that allow me to allow myself to flourish um, and to like test my skills and let myself be funny and be loud and be a full person. Um, I'm my happiest around a group of people that makes me feel comfortable doing that. When you're laughing at their chuckles. I'm laughing because I'm sitting over here feeling incredibly inadequate. I'm like, put that in a bottle and sell it. What? <laughs> That's impressive. Like people are <laughs> trying to figure that out. And I haven't figured was, it out. No, what you just said. <laughs> oh my God. You just did some deep mirror. That was just, I'm over here. I'm like, yeah, I still don't know how to talk nice to myself in a mirror. That was incredible. Yeah, and I still do it all the, like, but I, I catch myself doing it. And this something, um, this is this is crazy. This is a crazy. Uh, this is a crazy thing. You're, You're on the right podcast. Um, for uh, like, I used to punch myself in the face a lot. Like when I was a grown up. You're welcome for that, by <laughs> yeah, the way. I know, I know. Um, but like six, like, and I guess like I was like a full grown adult, and I was perceived as a full grown adult. Mija, uh, and I would last week maybe. Yeah, punch myself. <laughs> like throw a real like a real punch, like a right hook right across my face. Um, I'm la we're laughing somewhat uh, behind the scenes as an inside joke because I gave Madeline that trait, not because I punched her in the face or hit her. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you make it better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm very well acquainted with, uh, yeah. punishing yourself with yeah. physical pain. And it's not like, like, it doesn't sound, it's not so, it's not so sad. It's funny because it's, it's like, it's, it's anger. Like it's, it's real anger. Like, it's not like I'm like. Like, I am like, you deserve this punch right now. <laughs> no one's going to give it to you. So you got to give it to yourself. Um, but I used to do that a lot. And like, I would go through like periods of my life where I was doing worse, but I would do it more often. Mm -hmm. um, and like three weeks ago, um, I was really upset. And I was like, once upon a time, I would have punched myself in the face right now. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to punch myself in the face right now. I have no um, impulse to punch myself in the face right now because that would be mean. Why would I do that? Um, so I think it, it, it helped a lot, but it wasn't like I'm still, I'm still super mean to myself. I'm still my worst critic like everyone is and I'm still really hard on myself, but I'm, I'm getting better at catching it and changing it. Um, I think because of that, that super bizarre moment I had, um, where for so long I hadn't been doing that. That's powerful stuff, Miha. So many things. Go ahead, babe. I'm sorry. I just, I remember a couple of years ago and I don't even, I don't know what started the conversation or what happened, but you just announced that you decided you knew something you wanted to do with your life. You wanted to do a TED talk. 
you said, I don't know about what, but oh, I want to do a TED Talk. I think I, you yeah. just like did the best opening segment to that. You should totally do. Like, that was awesome. Think? Oh, yeah. I, I, you got I, it. Since then, I think I've decided what I would do my TED Talk Yeah? On. Yeah. What is it? I think I would do it about um, women in comedy. Nice. Yeah, because I ha- I've given myself like that shower TED Talk a thousand <laughs> times. And at the end, I'm always like, that was so good. <laughs> like, that would really change people's opinion, man. That was really good. Women in comedy. Women in comedy. I've got some strong opinions about that, especially considering I'm a feminist. Um, <laughs> right. But Stephanie and I watch a lot of comedy. You do, which I think is awesome. I think it's like, there's it's a lot really cool. of really bad female comics mm-hmm. that are doing nothing other than perpetuating yes. shitty stereotypes. And things like that. And then there's also the flip side of it. I, I don't want to go off on the tangent but of women on comedy. But it's almost like that they... Okay, fine. No tangent. Then. Yeah, because I had we'll something to say. Life. Well, there's lots to say well, there. I have a, yeah, like a TED Talk duration of things to say. So. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, fine. Like we can start at Hannah Next. Gatsby yeah. and work all the way oh, we to... We can't start at Hannah Gatsby because you can't start off as Hannah Gatsby and get anyone to even acknowledge you. Mm-hmm. You have to start off like this to yeah. even get people to look at you. It's about the fight. And it's not their fault when they're doing... When they're doing it wrong, I think we have. It's not their fault. Podcast too. Have you ever listened to any of Nikki Glaser? No. Oh God. Is she bad or is she good? Well. Sorry. Okay. We went off on it. Bring it back. Bring it back. (laughs) I'm sorry. Nikki's got some great comedy. Mm -hmm. I'm sure she's touted as a really good female comic, or just as a comic, right? Who gives a shit if you're a male comic or a female comic? But I think Nikki's probably doing some disservice to women out there. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people that would argue otherwise that she's. Anyways, we'll go down that rabbit hole, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to. Um, I want to recap what you just said and consolidate it down in a sense to teach you a lesson. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the things that you said at the very beginning, Mihai, as you were talking about um, not trusting yourself and realizing that what you say today isn't going to hold true tomorrow Mm -hmm. and that what's important today isn't going to be that way five years from now. That itself is a super important lesson to learn in life Mm -hmm. because nothing stays the same. Everything is continually changing and evolving. And that's an important lesson, I think, to realize and to recognize that, um, I mean, it's as basic as everything dies, right? Everything eventually is going to come to an end. All good things eventually end. All happy things eventually turn sad in some way, shape, or form. All sad things eventually turn happy. Uh, The coronavirus shit that we're dealing with right now is miserable and hard, but there's going to be beautiful lessons that come from it, and we've already started to see some of those as well, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an important lesson to carry forward in life as you proceed and as you go, and I know you know that, but that you basically explained that super important lesson that you've already learned at 17 years old and hold true to that. Take stock in that. Have that be something that you like can grab a hold of and almost like in a, um, like in a comforting way. For me, it brings me comfort, even though sometimes it's hard, Mm -hmm. right? And it sucks. I hate the fact that you're leaving. You're going to go off to college. You're going to grow up. You're going to experience life. You know, you no longer are going to live under our roof and all these kind of different things. I hate all of that shit. It's miserable. And it's something that I would change in an instant on one hand. But it's also beautiful that it changes. And I have to let that process happen. So that's an important lesson. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so write that one down. Got it. The other thing is, 
oh, the importance of like, as you were describing, like losing yourself and not knowing who you are and, you know, asking yourself that question, who am I? And kind of, you joked about it being something that's so typical for teenagers. That's typical for fucking people, sweetheart. Yeah. That's typical for people all the time at every stage of your life, because you will continually ask yourself, who am I? Because what you use to make up who you are changes all the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's like you almost every five years, you're reevaluating who am I because your life has changed and your experiences have changed and the people that you surround yourself with change. And those are the things that we make up who we are is by these outward type, you know, like you said, everything that you described yourself as who you were was given to you by people yeah. and the way that they perceived you. And that is something that will continually happen over and over and over and over and over again in your life. But the thing that I think you are getting at and the thing that you're trying to figure out as you go on in life and as you realize, here I go off into college and into adulthood, and if I want to be successful and if I want to be able to do so with some grace and some confidence, I really need to have a solid set of like morals and what's important to me and who I am. Mm -hmm. And I would agree completely. Um, and I would recommend that those base set of morals and what's important to you really only have to be like super simple, easy, right. maybe three, four things that you just clearly identify and hold true to. So that's where I want to go next in the conversation. Okay. You beautiful woman of mine, what is one of those base morals that is important to you that you carry regardless of the continual evolution of your life and questioning who you are? What is one of the things that you hold on to that is like the lesson, the trait, the uh, the moral that is kind of like a compass, your north, south, east, and west? Um, Let me extrapolate further and continue you, okay. to elaborate on and on Please. with more metaphors. I, I, I appreciate that. Go ahead. Um, I... I'm not always great at practicing it, but it's something that I believe and it fits in is that, um, that's what she said. (laughs) (laughs) You suck. So good though. So good. I'm glad you learned that from like 12 seasons of the office that ended in tears. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Michael Scott. It never fails. Okay. Um, let's see. Okay. You made me like, I'm like, I'm now sweating. Okay. That's also what she no. said. No, 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 it is not. Okay. Um, Maddie, um, be, don't be afraid of your beliefs. Don't be afraid of what you hold true and what you now know to be true, because it is what you now know to be true. You don't have to downgrade it or explain it away to anybody and dismiss yourself right away. Like, okay, I'll change my mind. I know. So I don't even get to have an opinion. You get to have an opinion, whatever it is. You get to have beliefs, whatever, and you get to hold them and they get to be powerful for you, but be open to new information and letting that change and letting what you thought you knew evolve to something else. And that doesn't mean that you were wrong before. It just means that you have more information now. So that is mine is that I get to be me. I get to believe what I believe, but I'm also willing to let that be the seed to something different Mm -hmm. and let it grow to something different or realize that this belief was completely false and it's okay to let it go. I wasn't stupid for having it. It was my belief. It served its purpose, but I can let it go. Hmm. That's a good one, babe. That's really good. Yeah. Do we want one from me now? Yeah. 
Um, uh, I'm trying to separate from like life lessons that I've learned that I hold true to like real simple, like if I was going to solidify three things that I carry with me as constants that help me in an ever-changing evolution of life, what would they be? And I don't know if I've ever even like solidified it down this much because oftentimes they're kind of out there in the ethos and you're just grabbing them when they come up and when you need them, you're like, oh yeah, this one helps me here and I need this one and I need that. But so to try to really solidify and quantify and put it on a top three list, I'm not going to give you three because I won't be able to do that. And we'll be sitting here for the next 20 minutes as I try to extrapolate it. But like, um, I think like just super simply put because of all those things of like, you know, the life or the world is always constantly changing and life is always evolving and mixing and all those kind of things, right? All that stuff. I think like super simply because your dad, me, sweetheart, yeah, uh, I've gone through incredibly dark periods of my life that were really, really difficult to see through, to get out of, to find my way through. And they're not, I mean, I'm not talking like 10, 15 years ago. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're constant mm-hmm. to some extent. And, um, even like in the depths of those places, like even when things are like really, really, really shitty, um, there's this, there's this part of me inside that is like, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. Living life for me is worth it even when I don't want to live life anymore, even when things are so shitty and so terrible, there's always a part of me that's like, I mean, like an inter- not internal or eternal, but um, just like there's an undying optimistic little boy inside of me that always wants to live and always wants to go on because it's always worth it, even when it's horribly miserable and shitty and hard. It's always worth it. So that would probably be like the number one thing I think is like some, like we could turn that into a meme or a t-shirt in some way of like, you know, the the journey is always worth the destination. That's not it, by the way. That's not the t-shirt. I I know what you mean. That's not the hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think for me, it's always worth it. Even when it seems like it's not, even when it's, you know, even at the darkest moments and, you know, I've had plenty to speak from and to come from, uh, it's always worth it. So that's one. Yeah. I think it's good. Well, we should wrap up. I have to pee. I don't know if anybody else does. I really have to pee. I drink so much coffee and water. Yeah. Do you want to throw out your uh, website, Miha, so that people can find you? (laughs) No. Actually, I have one (laughs) because I had to make one for class and no one can ever see it. 
good. Don't give out it your website. It is atrocious. We're definitely not. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about Madeline, stay mm-hmm. tuned. Follow her on Instagram. She's 17 years old. <laughs> Do not. She has 325 followers. <laughs> but look for her in upcoming films such as uh, the Life of Maddie. Such as everything that got canceled because of <laughs> What do you think is going to be one of the biggest films for you? What would it be called? Oh, my God. Let's what? just future cast right now. Future cast. I think my biggest film is the next Star Wars. It's coming out very soon. And do you I'll think you're going to be in a Star Wars? No. What do you mean? This is an impossible question. No. Like, let's make... <laughs> it's not, because we'll look back on this moment. So you will star one day in a film titled... What? Bezel. Energy is love. <laughs> I would love it if you made a movie <laughs> called Energy is Love, but that's wishful thinking. I can be th- the title maybe of my comedy special. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, then it should be Energy is Love, Miha. Energy mm-hmm. is Love, Miha. Um, Miha. There you go. I think it's great. That is yeah. actually really good. Yeah. yeah. Look for Maddie in a future film where she stars. The title of such movie is called Mija. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's cultural appropriation because she doesn't speak Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. I love you. I love you guys. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. You know, there's nothing wrong with having been a man since the day you were born, but it just makes some TV less enjoyable, I guess. I don't think that you have to be an activist to be a feminist. My dad, you know, he looks like a man. He's a he's a he's a boy. He's a boy guy. I think you could appreciate because you understand that like women have periods and women have boobs, but I just don't think that you would be like, "Oh, yes. I'm finally being represented."